0: a world in peril. Fellowship, companions, good and evil, redemption for those suffering on their way to fulfill a monumental task. Now given the context, I'm preaching in a church, you're probably thinking of various Bible passages given those little nuggets of information. And you're right, But those of you thinking that I'm also describing the plot of half a dozen books and movies, well, you're also right. What would Star Wars be without the companionship of Han and Chewbacca? Or Ocean's Eleven, if it were called Ocean Alone? Doctor Who even explicitly calls its unlikely teammate to the nearly immortal Doctor, the Companion. In the beginning of the Lord of the Rings epic by J.R.R. Tolkien, there's the famous scene of members of the fantasy races, that's human, elf, dwarf, and hobbit, wizard, and so on, joining together in the fellowship of the ring. Tasked with carrying the one ring to an active volcano in order to destroy it, the small in stature Frodo Baggins is not looking forward to going alone. Fortunately, his compatriots speak up one after another. You have my sword and my bow and my axe, they say. It's a powerful scene, no matter how many times we see it or read it in one form or another, which is why I think it keeps appearing in one place after another. I mean, even Marvel comics slash movies have an entire movie series about unlikely team-ups. And strange companions linked in common cause, usually putting aside their differences to face great challenges. And that is basically the plot of the Avengers and the 17 other random movies that are in this series of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not just a modern thing, though. The idea of unlikely companions is ancient In one of the earliest pieces of writing that we have today from ancient Sumer, we hear the story of King Gilgamesh and his battle with the wild man Enkidu, who become best friends. After wrestling and destroying half of their town, they become best friends, roaming the world, having adventures, while they seek the secret of immortality. Why does this image appear over and over again it may have something to do with what it means to be human. To be human is to desire companionship, not necessarily constantly, introverts, you know what I'm talking about, for we all need time to ourselves. But knowing that there are others with you can help you face even the toughest of challenges. And so, my friends, this is the greatest news ever because you always, always have a companion. Not just any companion either. You have the best companion, the best advocate, the best listener, the best comfort, the one who created all that is. When Jesus was preparing for the ascension, he told the disciples that God will send another companion who will be with you forever. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. I think Richard did a wonderful job in the children's sermon earlier of bringing this up. But notice that Jesus doesn't say, because you live, I will live. Jesus says, because I live, you will live reverses it from what we normally think. Jesus is always living, even when we can't see Jesus. The point here is, Jesus will remember us even when our earthly memories are gone. Jesus' memory is there. The Spirit walks with us constantly. Your great companion is God. And those times that you feel alone, Hold fast to your companion, for the Spirit is always with you and you are always with God. It's a simple statement, but it becomes more and more powerful the more you hear it and the more you think of it. God is your companion. You are God's companion too. Even John's word for this companion, this advocate, is beautiful. In Greek, he says parakletos, Parakletos, one who is called alongside. Parakletos, your companion called alongside you. Parakletos, your advocate who stands at your side and argues on your behalf. It's a beautiful concept that we are never without company in time of need. It goes further than that too because your companion is also my companion, and also their companion, too. In a way, we are linked to each and every other person through the companion. Maybe you remember the mostly popular game of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, where you try to link actors together by movies that they've shared until you can get back to Kevin Bacon. And supposedly you can do this in six links I have no idea why Kevin Bacon is the one that was chosen for this. It just happened to be that popular at the time. I didn't know who he was, so I always had a tough time with this. I know now. I'm saying in high school. I'm, I'm As it happens, though, there are only two degrees of separation in the spirit. You are connected to the Paracletos, who is connected to me. And it's the same for everyone the world over. Meet someone for the first time, connected. Your best friend has a new baby, you're just as connected to that baby as you are to your friend. That's kind of crazy too. And it holds true across time too. You are just as connected with Abraham as you are with Abraham Lincoln with your Uncle George, as you are with St. George, George Washington, and Dr. Jorge Gonzalez. You are connected with all of them. And I've alluded to this, but the flip side of this is also true. Just as God is your companion, so you are God's companion. A strange companion, to be certain. For there is no one else exactly like you. Even identical twins are not exactly alike. And there never has been anyone exactly like you either. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, as Psalm 139 puts it. God who made you was there in your childhood, in your teenage years, your adulthood, and yes, even when you have gained the crown of wisdom, God is there with you. Calling you, saying, I love you, my strange and wonderful companion, show my love to the world. See, there is another of my strange and wonderful companions. Can you see how I love them? Can you see how they love me? That's what Paul was doing in Athens. Showing God's love, telling God's story, and helping to connect them to God and to each other. If you're not familiar with the story from Acts 17, Paul shows up in Athens telling people the good news of Jesus and the resurrection. Only some of the folks there think that Paul is preaching about two foreign gods, one named Yeshua and the other one Anastasia. Anastasia is resurrection. When we read in our English text, Jesus and the resurrection, that should be a capital R. They thought he was talking about a God named resurrection. A goddess, perhaps. It's a feminine word. So Paul is invited to appear before the Areopagus, the High Council, and explain what he's talking about. And Paul leaps at the opportunity. Rather than dismiss these Athenians as having no idea who God is, Paul points out that God has already been active among them even before Paul started preaching to them, showing them that they have already been worshiping God He says, this God is the one who made the world and everything in it. God gives life and breath to everything, and God satisfies every need. For in God, we live and move and exist. We live and move and exist. How can we live and move and exist in God and not know even a little bit about God and not know that all of us are in God together? Part of the genius of this message is that Paul uses their own poets, their own language, their own way of thinking and seeing the world to help them understand God's action in their lives. As some of your own poets have said, we are God's children. We are God's offspring. That's pretty impressive for somebody who spent maybe a few weeks in the city, he did not spend a large amount of time in Athens and yet was able to pull this together from walking around and speaking to the people. I think that this is part of why we value stories of companions so highly. It touches something of our connection with God. When we tell stories of unlikely companions in history as well as in fiction, recognize God's action in our lives and feel like we are a companion of the characters, too. It's one of the great things about the Bible. We connect with the stories of God and how people have seen their walk with God through the centuries. Luke's story of Paul preaching to the Athenians becomes part of our story. Through these words, we see how the great companion was revealing God's self to the world. Paul's speech to the Athenians is short. The whole thing is only about 13 sentences in English, and it's only a few less than that in Greek. If you were called on to summarize your faith in 13 sentences or less, could you do it? Could you summarize your faith? Paul knew what he needed to say, and he even found ways of tying it in to those that were there. But I know I personally have been grateful for how people have summarized their faith, those that have come before and those that I encounter and and ask about this. Our book study has been a great deal on this sort of subject, listening to people sharing their stories of faith, how they came to believe and what they happened to believe from all different religions and walks of life. It's been a beautiful study. It reminded me when I was reading the scripture passage of how Paul did this. It's not a new idea to tell people about your faith. those who have gone before and have summarized their faith in poetic form, especially I am grateful for. There's something very special about hearing statements of faith from people you love and trust. Not just what you believe, but how do you express that belief in the world? For instance, my great grandfather, Charles John Keppel, wrote a lot of poem prayers that I learned as a child, though I never met him. He passed away before I was born. And yet these prayers have become part of the life of the family. Anyone who has learned these prayers as a child can say them together, knowing them through the family. And it's a beautiful thing. And they tell us about God. One of them was so important to me that in high school, I set it to music in my choir class for an assignment, but still, I wanted to set it to music. And it goes like this, stars that shine above tell of God's love, for even when clouds hide, still they are there. So we, dear Father, though shadows hide thee, know thou art keeping watch with tenderest care. So we, dear Father, though shadows hide thee, know thou art keeping watch with tenderest care. Since hearing these words as a child and incorporating them into my own faith, I've written my own statement of faith time and time again. It's it's required in the Presbyterian Church USA. Call process and ordination Oh my goodness, it's required over and over again. And yet, as much of a chore as it is, I highly encourage you to write or rewrite or re-rewrite your own statement of faith of what it is to be God's strange and wonderful companion. Try it out. Take some time in prayer and contemplation. Feel how the great companion is with you and try to put it into words. You don't need to show these words to anyone if you don't want to, but just trying to put it into words leads to some of the most beautiful poetic statements of who God is. And when we share those poetic statements with one another, When we have them available to share with one another, we never know when that Areopagus moment may happen. Maybe you'll be sitting next to someone in the choir or at a coffee shop or on an airplane, and they ask you, hey, I see you're reading the Bible or that book that that one preacher guy wrote or that thing, you're wearing a cross on your neck. Can you tell me about your faith? And you'll be ready. As Peter reminds us, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. A lot of what's in the book of 1 Peter can be challenging, but this one I think is great advice to take no matter who you are. Always be ready to talk about your hope as a believer. For you see, my friends, when you live out your faith, when you are listening for God's call and leaning into being God's companion, you are leaning into what it means to be human. You're telling the good news. You're telling the story through your life. The good news of seeing love in everyone you meet, to know that you are connected with everyone who has ever been and ever will be through God, your companion, comfort, and counselor. Amen.